You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. Our current control piece has 42 testimonials in it. And we're, we're right now we're testing a piece that's got 132 testimonials. That's the one we showed you at the last Platinum Group. We're, we're just coming up with all kinds of stuff to test. And through this testing, we're finding out a lot of things. I, I, uh, most of the tests, we don't find out anything. But every once in a while, maybe once every six weeks, we, we find something new and we're learning as we go. Uh, our success is basically the fact that um, it's the partnership between my wife and I. I mean, if it was my company, I would have ran it to the ground a long time ago. <laughs> right, Eileen? <laughs> uh, yeah, she should be up here, really. I swear she should be up here. Um, but, you know, uh, Dan has taught us that consistency is, is like one of the most important things. And another thing that uh, not only do you have to keep reselling them the way you've sold them the first time. Um, yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, good point. Who in here is like a Rolling Stones fan? The band, the Rolling Stones. All right. I swear to God, if you've been, if you've been a fan of that band for a while, you could just hear like five or ten seconds of any song, and you could instantly tell. I don't care what song it was. You could instantly tell that that was a Rolling Stones song. Am I right? Okay. This is the thing about, you know, this consistency. Um, we've been striving to do it, and, and to tell you the truth, it's, it's easy just to keep rewriting the same sales letters. That's the, that's the big revelation that's really came to us, you know, over the last year, I think, more than anything. Um, but people identify with the same things over and over again. Um, there is a, there's a great book called uh, uh, what, The Power of Influence or The Psychology of Influence. Had, um, you know it's what? called Dini's book. Pardon me. It's called, yes. called Dini's book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Get it if you haven't got it. Get it. It's the which is it, Joe? Is it the psychology? Psych psychology of influence. Yeah. It's Robert Caldini. Well, and in that book, they identify six of the different things that influence human behavior, and consistency is one of them. You know, people get comfortable by doing the same things over and over again. You guys know it's true. And the same thing works in, at least with our company, it works with our customers. They just keep not only buying the same kinds of programs that we put out, but literally, lately, but lately, the same sales letter that is our control piece is what it is. I mean, this, this is a piece that um, has proven itself. As a matter of fact, we've, ne we, we've made a lot of different tests over the last couple years, but we've never really changed the main control piece. It just keeps working like crazy. But, but now we're simply taking that control piece and rewriting it. You know, I mean, I mean we're not, we, we look, we, we improve it every time. We try to come up with ways to make it better, different. Yes? <laughs> well, we sell, according to, according to Joe, we sell shit in a box. <laughs> Well, that's unfair. I mean, they, he's marketing money, home-based money-making opportunities that are... Uh, 
Well, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not they, sure well, what difference does it make. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, t t t t t t I mean, this is, this, yeah, this is pretty hypey stuff. Well, one of, um, one of our most successful programs right now is one that we got from Michael Kimball, and that's our um, CD-ROM Gold program. So it's a distributorship that distributors use to sell CD-ROMs. Uh, we give them six different CD-ROMs and all the sales material to sell it, plus a manual and some cassette tapes. Yeah, Eileen? No, I don't want anybody thinking we're scam artists, but we, we are in a controversial market. It is, it's very controversial. We're, we're in a highly regulated market, although we've had such little regulatory problems in the last 10 years. I mean, for, you know, for as much as we talk about this over-regulatory crap, we've had very little problems. Knock on it, yeah. I, I would make the point, though, that you, want, you ought not, curiosity's fine, but you ought not get hung up on what any one of these guys is selling. Um, because that, that's not all that important. It, it, what is important is the technique and the methodology because it really does move from any one thing to any other thing. Um, and so, and I mean, here you got, you got a guy up here who's dealing with sophisticated investors, um, putting together partnerships, real estate development deals, where the minimum buy-in is $50,000, and he is largely using the same techniques that TJ is using to sell a low-end business opportunity to perhaps a blue-collar high school educated uh, person uh, of very limited means uh, and, and if, you if you put their pieces side by side you'll see more similarity than you will see difference and when you listen to the marketing methodology you'll see more similarity than you will difference and the consistency point the, the Rolling Stones analogy is, is that both his customers and if you look at Mike's stuff He's, I don't know whether he's aware of it or not, but he's, fall, he's into the same pattern of essentially rewriting the same sales message again and again and again and again, largely only changing the details of the deal. And the point is the customer kind of gets into a rhythm with you and responds to that, that consistency the way you approach them each time. Um, and, and it's a real important thing to learn rather than having a completely different approach each time that you go to the customer. Uh, oh, oh, I just want to say something on the notes, and then I don't want to hog this whole thing. I'm going to sit down. But, but um, you know, back when we first started working with Dan back in 1993, we came out here to Phoenix, stayed at this hotel, spent a day with Dan. Uh, at that time, we were kind of in limbo because when we started this business, we did it with one product, just like most people do. We had one product, and through marketing that thing, we were on like a four or five year ride with that. That was our answering machine program. And, and as you guys know, every marketing campaign, basically, it, there, there comes a time when it, the things that used to work for you don't work anymore. We were in limbo at that time, and we were trying to reinvent ourselves. We didn't know where we were going in the future and stuff. And so we, we, were, we got a lot of ideas from Dan. One of the things that we asked Dan about, I'll never forget, is a lot of companies in our market, the get-rich-quick market is what we call it, 
Um, they advertise where they're standing behind limousines and they've got mansions behind them and they're selling this whole dream thing, you know. And we asked Dan if we should do that in our ads and he said, he said that the best advice he could give us was, was don't do any of that nonsense at all and just try to be ourselves. Try to be who we are to our customers. And we took that advice, it's the best advice, uh, because our customers identify with Eileen and I. We've got a great story that we tell, and they put themselves into our story, so to say. Um, I mean, a lot of our customers love us, right, Dick? <laughs> I mean, they, they really do. They, they, they like what we're doing. They like us. Um, and, I, and I don't mean to make the, the opportunity market sound like it's such a bad market. We've got a lot of really great people in this market, and it's a wide range of people who... You know, illiterate people that don't have checking accounts, they don't have telephones, they want to send you food stamps instead of money. You know, we have that element of customers, real low-end kind of thing, and, and God love them, they're good people. You expose me. <laughs> <laughs> but we've Tell got, like, me that's not how we got paid on this deal. <laughs> But, you know, we've got real high-end customers, too. Uh, customers that think nothing of spending 25, 30 grand with us. So Where are you going? Oh. Um, anyway. Uh, uh, questions for him. Uh, yeah, him, him first. Uh, I've got two questions we have tied together. One, do you create most of these products yourself, or do you do mostly joint ventures? And two, by mailing a different thing every month, do you run into credibility problems? Because you, you did with me. Okay. I got your mailing, and then I got another mailing for another something different. And I'm like, well, these guys are just all over the board. Uh, let's, sk that. let's skip his first question because it's really not a copy question, but let's take the second one. Okay. Is there a credibility problem with going back to the same customer with the next best greatest thing? Well, I'll, we probably, first of all, I'm, I'm not sure if, you're, if you represent a typical customer of ours. But second of all, I imagine we do really upset some people, and we, we have, our, you know, customers that leave us all the time. You know, we're constantly replenishing it, but I imagine we do upset a lot of people. If you stop to think about it, though, that situation exists in a lot of businesses. You know, uh, they are going back to the same customer with the next best, this opportunity is better than the one we showed you six weeks ago. Okay? If you go to, say, in the health market, um, uh, like I have a client that markets herbal products, every month is going to the customer with the next news story that this discovery is now better than the discovery, you know, that we told you about six weeks ago. I mean, this factor exists in a lot of businesses. Well, and, and like Dan and it's said, it's a creative it, challenge. It's a copy challenge. Well, and at our last platinum group, Dan said something that I'd never really even thought about. He said, you know, people buy in vacuums. That's that's what he said. I I've thought a lot about it since then. Um, you know, people, these, a lot of our customers, they are hungry. They're hungry for this stuff, and that's why they just keep buying it. What, what Eileen? Oh, sure. I mean, we've got our excuses if customers call up and they're aggravated and they're confused and stuff. Not an yeah. excuse, it's an explanation. Explanation, Jesus. right, right. Jeez. Chauncey?
oh yeah, we're selling the dream. I mean, that's what you guys need to be selling to your customers because I don't care how sophisticated your customers are. His customers sound like probably the most sophisticated customers of anyone. I mean, he's doing like $100,000 deals. No pigs, greedy, greedy, greedy. <laughs> right, they still are greedy. I mean, we sell to people's greed, but so does he, and so do you. And, and uh, anybody that sells something where there's a promise of future profit or future gain, I don't care what it is, money, health, I mean, we're selling to people's greed, and people are always going to be greedy. That, that's your e-factor list that I skipped over in the notes that you have in your notes. Every market, the most sophisticated customer, the least sophisticated customer, they all respond to every one of the things on that list, and the more of those things you incorporate into a pitch, the better off you are. Oh, what are your numbers? Okay. Good question. Um, well, on the front end, I think our break even's about like 1.6, 1.7. We mail first class. Um, we used to mail bulk, but our piece right now, it, you know, like Dan says, if it weighs an ounce or under, mail first class. If it weighs an ounce or over, then consider bulk. Um, we've kept ours down to an ounce because of the format. Um, so, are, you running, are you acquiring your new customers at break-even? Uh, no, we make a little profit every week, almost, almost every week. I'd say, I'd say two-thirds of the year except for in the summertime. In the summertime, we slow down a little bit. We're not able to, to do as well, but we make, we make a profit almost every week. So they got a business geared to be profitable at less than 2% on cold lists. Well, yeah, and then we've got this really cool concept that we've been working on for a few years now. Uh, it's called the money train. And basically what it is, is once, once a customer buys from us, every two weeks after that, they get another mailing. It's systematic. We don't do anything. We've got one of our staff members oversees the whole thing, make sure the pieces are printed, make sure it goes out, and we get our weekly tracking sheets. And so far, the money train is rolling, right, babe? Do you, do um, you have a number what a, customer is worth to, what a customer is worth to you in a year? Oh, I, well, I think at one time we figured it out years ago, Dan, but we haven't done that for a long time now. Right. And we're probably making a lot of mistakes. You know, you pointed out, I mean, we, we're, like Dan says in one of his books that, that uh, we're rereading right now, uh, it, it's, his, uh, it's his book, How to Succeed in Business and Break All the Rules. You know, he talks about the fact that you've got to keep moving fast. And, and you've got to move fast, fast, fast. And yes, you're, gonna, you're going to make mistakes. Because as you move quickly, that kind of thing happens. But... You're, you know, also, if you keep your eye on the bottom line, which we do, every, every single one of our promotions, and we're doing, we're doing uh, right now about 150 promotions a year, all direct mail. We don't do any space advertising at all. Um, we're making a, a nice profit on almost every single one of them. couple more questions. Yes? You certainly deserve to ask him a question. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a new acquisition, how many times will you mail to a person from a, a new mailing list? Before uh, you give well, up on them. I think the way that we set it up with the mail house years ago was that um, we purge against the last uh, maybe couple quarters and that's about it. I, uh, so the answer is basically on new lists, you're giving them one shot. 
Uh, no, we, we, the, we purge against a couple quarters back, and then we, we, we can keep remailing them after that. Okay. I think that's how we set it up. Uh, well, on our, we have one offer on the front end only one at, end any one, at any given time. And again, we could probably make more money if we did it differently, but we found that for us, the front end is just a necessary evil. That's the way our whole business is set up. We've got to do it. We don't, it's not, the, it's not where our, it's not, our, our real business is, of course, developing customer. Uh, but the front end is a necessary evil. We have to do it, but we just have one front end piece out there at any given time. We're always testing against it, trying to beat the control constantly, trying to improve the control. Um, and, then, and then our real business is what we do with the customers once we bring them into our, what Dan calls the pond. Uh, once we get them in the pond... Um, uh, we'll skip the rest of the analogies. Okay. <laughs> Last... Uh, Okay, last, uh, last uh, question for uh, TJ. Uh, how, how many are on your list? Okay, well, our total mailing list right now is over 300,000, but we've got the list divided by quarter. First of all, it's divided into quarters, and also it's divided into, we have a qualification. We have what we call the primo list. Where's, where's Emerson here? We were talking to Emerson about our primo list. Um, and, um, and that list, we've lowered the barriers now on qualification to get onto that list. It used to be you had to spend 150 bucks. Now you just have to spend like, uh, I think 50 bucks will get you on that list now, but it has to, on our back end, on, on the back end. You have to buy from us at least twice now to get on that list. So that list is about 12, 14,000 strong right now. And we mail to that list once every month. Uh, but we're also testing the other quarters all the time, too, you know, just trying to make those quarters work. Uh, and you had a question. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. It's pretty tough to top that. <laughs> My name is Ralph Charlton. Um, I think Dan has me up here as the token copywriter, although, as you can see, most everybody is doing copywriting. Um, I do it for a living, uh, but I think, as I said, he has me up here as the token copywriter that shows you can write a halfway decent letter even if you start out with two and a half strikes against you. I'll explain that a little bit. Um, basically, my background way back is coming out of a major corporation. Um, I've worked in uh, corporate finance and... and um, information systems department reported to a CFO of, of a Fortune 100 company. So I spent a lot of time there. Didn't have any real direct face-to-face -face selling, which he talks about all good copywriters you know, need to have. Um, so basically my experience was didn't do anything at all. I had way too much education, everything that, that goes against you. And the writing I did was all inside a corporation, and again, it was very slow and methodical. While I still do some fairly slow and methodical writing, I've taken as many notes as, as far as the rest of you have here tonight um, on speeding up things. Um, you know, I have managed to get to a point where I can write reasonably well. And what I didn't know either, sort of like Michael was saying in the beginning, exactly what Dan wanted. I probably have 30 minutes worth of stuff here, which I'll try to cram into to 10 or so. I think I'll, I'll not go through some of my examples. But 
I'm going to kind of, without going through any more specifically right now what I do from a, from a business standpoint, let me go down some of this, and uh, I think you'll see a little bit more of what I've done. I've tried to throw in here just some examples. It, near the end, I'll, I'll bring out some, some specifics. You saw one of the letters that I wrote. I didn't know Dan, Dan had picked that up. Unfortunately, that's not a very good version of, of a whole series of letters that we've done um, you know, for a corporation here in, in Phoenix that I'll, I'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, let me, what he asked when he sent out his little facts to talk about here was what's sort of made a difference, what things have, have hit you the most. And so I tried to hit some things that I thought he might not talk about because it's pretty hard to talk about copywriting and follow, you know, Dan Kennedy on doing things. But the first thing, if I had to say one thing that has helped me move, you sort of see how I titled this thing, to move to the next level of writing. The biggest thing that probably helped me is, unfortunately, something that I can't go off and tell you is real easy to do. Uh, you've heard about it before and everything, and that's, that's what I call internalizing the writing. Or I really should give credit to a good friend named Carl Galletti, which I think most of you know. Is that me? I'm sorry, what? Switch it. Okay, well, is that, is it okay? All right, can you hear me? It sounds quieter here, but that's okay. Um, and what Carl called it really was moving your writing from your head to your gut. You know, writing out of your gut. And I think it was two issues ago that, that Dan said, I think it is the first time any big-time uh, person in copywriting has said that, well, you know, I really don't have a list of 47 things. Well, I do, but I don't use them every time I write. And he brought that up a couple of issues ago. And it's the first time I've seen him say it. Uh, I don't know many really good copywriters that do. What you really do is you write out of, you know, you write from your gut. And the way I learned to do that was what was real difficult for me, which being computer background, was to take a pen and a pad of paper and really good ads and really good sales letters, one, two, three, four pages, and write them out by hand over and over and over and over. And I mean over and over. I wrote those things until I could write the entire ad all the way up to four pages from, from memory. And that it gets real tough when you get to three and a half pages and you forget a word and have to start all over. Um, I did this for several months, uh, writing no less than a couple hours a day, sometimes nine or ten hours a day. And somewhere in that process, it moves, it changes. And like I said, I don't have a good way to really tell you, you know, that there's an easy way to do that. Dan may be able to tell you, but I can tell you this, it works. Um, I know, I know uh, Ted Nicholas really believes in that concept too, and, and it's something if you really want to move up. Uh, I made a little note in red on here, uh, just things I've, I've made since we've been here. Somebody had asked about cosmetics, had to ask Dan, how do you know how to underline? One of the things when you learn to write from your gut, you sort of get a feel just for those. I mean, that's why you sort of stumbled a little bit about, well, what do you do there, you know? And it's because you just do it sort of automatically. The second thing, and these are not in real good order, I sort of dictated this over the phone and wasn't very clear, um, that I see happening all the time. Um, and maybe it's why I spend a little bit longer writing things than, than most, or it, takes, it seems to take me longer, is people making a lot, of, a lot of simple mistakes. We know, we all have a lot of information, you have more than you need to write, but making little stupid mistakes. And um, I'm going to skip the story I've got there, the one with the flesh book, although I should point this out. Um, I don't know, have, have many of you seen or read this book, How to Write, Speak, and Think More Effectively? Um, if you haven't, it's, I've not seen many people recommend it. Jay Abraham did years and years ago. I didn't pick it up till a year ago. And uh, when I looked at it and went through it, I said, geez, 
that's how I write. And I realized that was, that's the half that I had going for me. You know, I didn't have to, to learn some of that. It's a really great book. But I'm sorry. The author is Rudolf Flesch. You can get it. It's just it's a simple little paperback. It's a really good book. Um, I'm gonna, I'll skip the, that story, but I'd like to tell the financial planning story because it, it's really indicative of stupid mistakes. I hate to say that, but it really is, that you're this close you know, from making it and being really good. There's a financial planner. I won't say where he's from, but he bought Jeff Paul's stuff. And I saw the ad running, and I said, geez, I haven't seen Jeff Paul. This was back several years ago. I haven't seen Jeff Paul's stuff. So I'm going to order it, see what comes, letters come, everything. And I said, boy, there's a problem here. Um, but I figured the guys would call me, which they did eventually. I said, can I talk to the president of the company? Yeah. And he gave me a call and talked to him. I said, how are you doing with this? He said, works. It just doesn't work at all. It's a bunch of crap. I said, really? Why? You know, and he was starting to explain a little bit of this and that. And I said, well, I, if you'll, I've got a couple of suggestions you might look at. One, I never really got across to him very well. And that was the fact that I, I tried to say, you know, I don't always believe and put a picture on the first page. And he'd follow Jeff's rule and put a picture on there. Fortunately, this guy, and I, I, he, there's no good way to say this to him, he looks like a gangster. Now, he's selling a fine. He's trying to, he, he wants to manage my money, you know. And he has another person. Uh, in the picture with him that only enhanced this image. So I never, I never got this across to him, what I was trying, you know, what was going on, but, but I tried to get, you know, you might just take it out. Well, Jeff says to put the picture in. Well, okay, let's move on to, to item two. And I, I put up, I, I think if you've seen the letters, you know I'll have to put this down, but you know they all have a dollar bill at the top. The best way to describe what the dollar bill looked like at the top was if I do that, this is a pretty good replication of what the dollar bill looked like at the top of that letter. Now, if you know what the letter starts out, you know how it all starts out and says, as you can see, I've attached the top of this letter, a crisp new $1 bill. <laughs> this is at the top of the letter. And I said, geez, we're only a sentence into this letter, and you've already lied to me. And I said, you want to use my money? God, do you know how hard it is to find new $1 bills? And he went on. He went on for 10 minutes on this story. I told him I can go get new $1 bills. But nevertheless, I said, even if you put this grubby dollar bill on the top of it, just change the words and just say attached to the top of this letter is a $1 bill. As you or can see, attached is a crumpled up a grubby crumpled $1 up. bill. Yeah, that's right. Whatever. You know, and go on with your letter. Jeff Paul says that we should put the brand new $1 after five minutes, I, said, I, I told him, I said, you're right, this stuff doesn't work, and hung up. You know. But this guy, this guy still today is suffering because I've got a CPA that knows him very well. He's this far from making something work really great on there. Everything else he did, he executed perfectly on there. But he screwed up in there, and it got him zero results. I mean, he just he couldn't believe it. I, I'm sorry, I go on and on, but I leave that thing with, you know, I, my last note on there was to find somebody that will help critique your stuff. I made the note, I've got a great one that I live with, and it, and it really helps on there. I mean that very, very positively. But, um, and I might interject because I'll forget it later on. I've been really fortunate to have some people help me out and critique some things. And while I, I've, my time is very, very limited, if there are some of you that absolutely don't have somebody that'll do it, um, either see me afterwards or whatever, and, you know, I'll, I'll try to help out some people if I, you know, if I can on there doing some critiques and stuff, at least for this group. Um, because it really helps, and you need to find somebody to, to look at what you're writing before you, you send it out. Um, running on down here to um, a, 
the, the last bullet or the major item on here was, to me, you just need to do a few things really well. Um, I, the first note I made, for me, I found out that was writing space ads. Now, I write mostly, it seems like, letters, but to get started, I realized that I could really condense things down and write a really tight ad. Um, and so that's how I built clientele until I got up to a word of mouth where I didn't have to worry about it, basically. But find something that you do really well. Same thing I do basically with clients is try to stay with just a very few and get relatively extensively involved with them. Um, also, it's already come up before, a system, you know, I use a headline writing system. I, I go back before Dan, I, before I really knew that much with Dan, back to Ted Nicholas who said, uh, if you know Ted Nicholas, I've write 100 headlines. Well, I really have followed that. But I still do the same thing Dan's saying. I've got probably too many. I have 400 of them. And I kind of use a little computer program to pop these things up. But I, you fill in the blanks. Um, it's the only way to do headlines. I go a little bit beyond maybe what Dan was saying is that I use, I fill them out even the stupid ones. You know what I mean? It's something that doesn't make sense for a, promo, prom, excuse me, for a promotion. Because when you do that, they'll begin to lead you over to some other headline, and it'll lead you to some other headlines. And I've gotten to headlines that really didn't have anything to do with anything else, but they come from going through some, some pretty crazy-looking things, and it really pays to go through headlines that really don't make any sense even. So using those templates really helped. It's just like, the, yeah, the second thing, I, the, oh, I called them opening templates before when I did this. I didn't know until I got here today they were clicks. But, you know, it's the only way to speed up your writing. And between those two things and internalizing it, as far as I'm concerned, that's how you can really move along. Um, I've made a living out of, out of two, the next two things, really, which are emotional stories and guarantees. And I've, um, again, just sort of, of, of rolling along on, on things that have helped me and, and maybe would help you the same. I, as I said before, didn't have a direct selling background, so I had to search for it when I got into this. And I ran across D. Forbes Lay. Some of you may know him. A lot of people don't like him. Um, I don't know, it was, the, it was the best thing I'd ever seen from an understanding an emotional appeal. And if you really still don't get how much emotion sells, read, I mean, he's got a book called The Best Seller. He does a seminar. Um, have any of you ever have been to any of his stuff? Yeah, a few. He's got an ego that would fill this room, and it's, it's something to deal with, but he is very good uh, as far as his selling thing. I'll skip the Nippon Life insurance story. It's real interesting from an emotional one if you haven't heard it. Uh, guarantees, again, are the other thing that, that I, like I said, I guess I basically have made a living by really emphasizing guarantees. I'll show you here, I've, most of the examples I've got um, deal with a company. In fact, now I can see Tim back there in the back. I never even saw where you were. Uh, I spent about three years working with a company, Direct Action, here in Phoenix, uh, including some time down here with them. And so most of these examples and the example you saw in the book are, are from them. But um, I go into most clients with the idea I'm going to have a challenge on my hand because I really want to push you or that client to, to grab onto a guarantee way beyond what they think they can go do. And let me show you um, the guarantee that I think you guys are still running, if I'm correct. Here's an example, for instance. It's not two pages of guarantees, but, but I'm already at page 15 of this letter, and I'm running out of room. So, but it's two-thirds of a page just rolling on a guarantee. These, this is in an area where 
the guarantees in, in, in this arena are going down towards zero, no guarantee at all, and we push this to the other limit. When I first showed this to Tim, you can see the thing in blue. This is a secondary guarantee. Um, this is a fighting system. It's a real rough, tough type of a thing on here. But it, I, if you just look at it a little bit, after a, the year, um, a year of first-hand use of the seals, blah, 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 um, I'm offering the same amazing guarantee. Once you've thoroughly studied this video, I want you to look at this and see what, what's, what's wrong with this, what's going on in here. Once you've thoroughly studied these videotapes and practiced the techniques, I guarantee no one will ever be able to defeat you in a life-threatening situation where any type of weapon is involved and where you apply the techniques correctly. If they do, I'll immediately refund your full purchase price. <laughs> that's, good. that's really good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Tim, when Tim first saw this, he got this real fast. But when we showed it to Jerry, it, remember Tim, Jerry sat there for a little while and he didn't get it. You know, because his, he, it does what most clients do. They're really, we can't offer a, what do you mean a lifetime guarantee on this? Well, if you don't, you see, does everybody see it? If, you know, if you're in a life-threatening situation, then it's you a, don't come out of there. It suggests, it's, it suggests a title for you to write a book about direct response. Dead men don't ask for refunds. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's... It, it took Jerry a while to, to come up, but he really, you know, after a while, he said, well, okay, you know, on this. I put the little note preemptive out there. I think it was, you know, Jay Abraham used to talk a lot about it. And, and really, there's nobody in this arena that couldn't say this same thing because, hey, if you get in that situation, anybody's system will probably work. Um, but we did it first, and, and it really worked. But it's funny. That's, it's kind of funny. That's why I wanted to show it. But the concept is what, what you need to really understand. I spent um, a year and a half getting, getting an engineer to, um, you know, to really bite on to a really, really tough guarantee he was doing anyway, basically. You can really do wondrous things with a guarantee. That's also, I said I'd... I'd tie back in a little bit to my work. I got a lot of clients early on by guaranteeing my work, and those of you I passed out a business card to, as you can see, it still says I, you know, I guarantee what I'm going to do. Now, nobody's questioned it for a long time, but um, you know, it really works. The guarantee is a real powerful thing. The last, well, I guess not quite the last, but almost the last thing that, that I guess as I get old and gray-haired now, I'm looking to do more and more besides find really quality clients, is, is to strive for controversy. And that may sound a little weird, but the more, if you can be controversial in an ad or letter, it, it works every time. Um, let me show you um, of being really, really bold. And again, it's, it's the same, same group. Uh, well, let me preface this before I lay this thing up here. We're in a, this was in a target, a real tight target market. We're advertising in, in uh, magazines like Soldier of Fortune, Black Belt, Inside Kung Fu, Inside Karate. Tough, it's a real tough market. There's a lot of competition of stuff that's going on out there. Um, and we're against some really tough guys. Uh, you've heard Dan mention John Carlton and Gary Halbert. They were in, in these magazines selling similar type of stuff, four-page full-color ads. Um, real, real tough competition. Um, what... What it is, though, is it's a real cost-effective medium to run full-page ads, and you can run a full-page ad for $1,500 to $2,000. We were getting, when we first started running the first ads I ran on here, we were getting somewhere between 9, 10, 11, 12 times the ad cost in return. And, you know, as you know, that's, that's good. I mean, we're doing really well. And we're holding that along very well. It, it blew the other guys out of the water on there doing it, doing it that well. But... 
as everything goes, the ads go down slowly over time, everything. I was looking for something really tougher, and it was using, pulling up headline after headline after headline and brainstorming with my built-in brainstormer um, at home um, that came up with a little bit of a controversial headline. And what we did is to throw the word killing into the ad. And I mean to tell you, um, there were magazines that didn't really appreciate this, but the, 13, the 10 to 13 times response, when this ad first ran, which we ran it first in Black Belt Magazine, the response, it jumped to 26, almost 30 times the ad cost. So um, controversy really sells, and if you can do it and do it right. Now, granted, we had, like I said, three magazines said, gee, um, you know, our subscribers are complaining a little bit. Actually, what it probably was, you know, was two or three people complained to the editor, and then they say, you know, you've got to change it or else. And unfortunately, three magazines were involved with one, uh, with one company, and so we had to change the ad headline, which didn't work as well as you might imagine. And, um, yeah, it was really unfortunate on there. But um, controversy can really, really work well for you. I highlighted also in red, you see all this red that's along here? Uh, just before this, you saw the emotional story. This is all story on here. If you see something, an ad or a sales letter that's out there and it doesn't have an emotional story in it, I didn't write it. Um, not saying a lot necessarily, but that's how much almost a third of that ad is just a story. Okay, the other side, what I wanted, I threw in the word corporation to show the 180-degree flip-flop on controversy. I've done a number of it. My wife works for Texas Instruments, and she's relatively high up in there where you don't rock the boat too much. And I've written several letters for her, so we've kind of primed this a little bit, and people are sort of getting used to it. But you can also be controversial, you know, in a, in a nice way. Here I talk about pushing the envelope in an area that you don't really think of being controversial. Um, we did a, I did a letter. I mean, this is really a letter that, that was going to get run inside a major corporation. I'll be real honest with you. We got nuked. Um, but we got it in and we got it out to about 35 or so people. And it didn't get nuked because it didn't work. Um, in fact, it worked so well... That my wife, what it is, is it's a letter that's it's asking for donations, basically, and you just don't do this at Texas Instruments. In fact, that's why it got nuked. The president and my old boss from many, many years ago said, geez, this is really wonderful, but if we let this go through and everybody starts asking for donations, it's going to change the whole, we, we just can't do that. So they loved it and everything else. My wife was still, last time I talked, we were still giving back donations because for every, everybody but those two people, this thing worked like gangbusters. And it goes down through there, and it, here it is in a big company. They're never used to seeing anything like this. Goes through, gives the story, walks through everything. There's a neat story in here about kids and what it's going to do for all the, their, the employees' kids are going to be able to come over and use this stuff. Works like a hose. So you can be controversial in, in all sorts of different areas out there. Um, what did I have last? Oh, the last thing was just some words. I never really finished that enough as I'm going through here right now. Um, I probably, I believe in the word because, and I think a lot of what's really made the stuff I've written work is because I really, yeah, see, I used the word right there, really, really stress the reason why I explain everything, every reason why. We've come up with reasons why I go back to direct action again. I can remember one time, and I don't even remember what we did with it, Tim. We, 
we came up with, we used Hurricane Hugo, I think, for a reason why we, we were coming back for a follow-up. We had some more of the product because we limited the amount that we, we set on one letter and we sold everything out so we needed a reason to come back and Hurricane Hugo had taken out our call center and not everybody could get through. We came up, you can come up with reasons for a lot of things, but if, if you explain why, people will believe the stuff. Let me wrap up with one last thing that, that um, we, it also goes back to direct action here, and, and um, um, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit different than what Dan had said earlier, and, and maybe I shouldn't even talk about it because it, it is inaccurate, but it worked for us down there. Um, and it has to do, it, it's a specific technique, it has to do with handwritten fonts, and we went through that quite a handwriting and handwritten fonts. Uh, went through that earlier. Quick, quick introduction on here, about five years ago I got a letter, I thought from my grandmother, you know, an 80-year-old person that writes real nice and neat. A wonderful little letter comes in a little personal envelope and everything. You know, and when I got that letter in the mail, it was just, it's, it's amazing what goes through you, just the emotion when you see it. The problem was my grandmother had died 10 years before that. This was a handwritten letter from somebody who wrote just like my grandmother, and it was amazing how that affected me. That's how much I knew and understood, or when I first understood, what a handwritten font can really, or handwriting can really do for you. When, when we started up at Direct Action down here, uh, we got off very quickly writing, putting on handwritten, you know, hand, having all the envelopes handwritten. Tim had to go out and coordinate with all his local uh, a group of, of ladies that were doing the writing for him, and we were going along fine. Worked work great. I mean, response improved greatly when we did that. All of a sudden, when I was reviewing some stuff one time, response really fell off. These are response. The letters we're sending out to these ads um, that the ad that you saw there fell way off. And I talked with Tim and said, geez, what's happened? And he goes, nothing. We're doing everything the same as they are. And then, then he finally said, well, it, it's gotten really tough getting these letters back and forth. So I started, he, he started using just a regular uh, computer, uh, you know, Times Roman type font. No big deal. We're sitting there going, geez, it's hard to believe that's really made that much of a difference. But go back, let's go back and try to handwrite him again and see, could it really be that much? As soon as he went back to handwriting, the, the response went right back up. And I mean to tell you, we're going, we're talking like boom, choom, way down to here and back up. I don't remember the specific numbers, but it was, it was scary. Went right back up. A week later or so, I'm, I'm in CompUSA wandering down the aisles looking at CD-ROMs getting my weekly computer fix. And... I don't know why I was looking at CD-ROMs, but I see this, this um, computer-generated uh, fonts, handwritten fonts, only they're not the neat one. I never liked the perfect, neat writing on here. They were grubby stuff. I mean, and this was a, a market where, you know, it looked like this might work. So I sent it down, and, and Tim started using that, and lo and behold, the response, when we tried that, we said, hey, maybe this will help, you know, that when we tried it, the difference was negligible. Now, I throw in a uh, thing right here, you know, you gotta test it. Because I've seen this done two places now since then. One it worked, one it really didn't work very well. But here it worked like gangbusters. And just to show you uh, what we did, there are the, the fonts, I don't have the names of them, but, but if you can see those, um, 
I'll move this one up a little bit further so you can see it. What we did is extend it beyond just one. I said, hey, we're sending out three letters. It's all coming off the computer. Let's generate, let's use different fonts for three letters. I don't like this when you're trying to write. I, think, I don't think it works in a letter because you get too many duplicating letters, I mean characters now, and, and it looks hokey. But on an address here, as you can see, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't show up that much. And this thing, I, are you, you're still doing it now, I assume. Yeah. That it worked really, really well. And so, um, like I said, I think you have to test it and you have to look at it to see. But I see others. I got this in the mail just the other day. And, um, you know, here's somebody doing it. Now, personally, I don't think this works. This is a teaser copy all over the place. I don't see any reason to use a handwritten font on here. Not only to mention that, um, we put... We put, when I, when I left, we, underneath the stamp here is the letter and the step number you're on. That's so you know when you get it blank, you know what to stuff in there. Stamp covers all that. And, yeah, we started putting a customer number way over underneath the stamp. This guy, I, I finally got a hold of these people to find out to say, what were you doing? Why are you doing this stuff? They don't know. They're just trying it. And is this a customer number I see above the name? Yeah, how could you tell? <laughs> You know, and I'm sitting here, I guess I'd close this with going back up to the thing, the little things really count. When my grandmother wrote to me, she never put a customer number above my name. Thanks. Okay. Like that. Yes. On the envelope? Uh, but on the envelope. Um, blue, I don't blue think... ink versus black. Run a test? Pardon? Yeah, I, it's blue and black. I don't think, Tim? Tim, I'd have to ask you, I don't think we ever tried blue ink versus black What ink. are you doing? Black? Just black. Just black. Hey. It wasn't. When I bought it, it was 49 bucks. Has about 100 fonts on it. Going to the blue? No. That's an interesting thing, except you've got to be able, you've got to be in color to do it, obviously. And so, and since these are being all computer generated, or just right out of the office, I mean, just feed these right out of the computer system right over, um, you know, it was easiest just to stay with black. It's something, again, I, I, you know, I have to admit, we didn't do all the testing we probably should have on here. As you can see, when you're getting results at the level that we were getting some of these things going, um, there's a lot more that could have been tested. You get fat and lazy. Didn't. Yep. Next question. Jeez. Anybody? Question? Yep. All right. Thank yes. It's the response. Now, see, that Dan was talking about before. One way to do it is to put on there that, you know, here's the information you wanted. And we tried that way, way early on. And then we switched to not doing it because we got better results not putting that on there and have just, and just stuck with doing this. But again, I can't stand up here and say that's going to work for you every time. You really have to test some of these kinds of things to see. But, yeah, that's, they were responses to the ad. The software program for what? Um, well, the gentleman back there brought up... Pardon me? Okay, got it. It's handwriting what? 
Handwriting fonts by it's, expert software. You can find it at Office Max or Office. Okay, Depot that's. Or. I think that's different than what we got. This one was. I don't know. It's down in the office here. I don't. I don't have it here. But it's been. It's two and a half. It's a good two and a half years ago when we got this. So I suspect stuff has changed. They may not be putting that one out. There's probably others out. I'm sure. You can do your own if you want. Yes. This one? That's, okay, that is that is the one this okay. was. Handwritten font, Fonts it was by ClickArts. Click that's okay. right. So there are two different ones that are out. Right Go ahead. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to get involved selling my own because one thing this has let me do is is get off and do other things that I like to do too, and, and I've done some investments, and, and some of them don't always work the way you want, and you're now looking at the president of a winery that really never intended to be the president of a winery. So I'm going to get a chance to do some some marketing that I didn't really intend to of some things that, that uh, yeah, will be, that isn't I have a direct that, interest isn't in. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't yeah. it wonderful? <laughs> uh, one more. Uh, all the way in the back was up first. Tim. You need to uh, thank it, but also, you know, having spent three years, this is not martial arts. Dan has seen some of the stuff we funnel videos. Um, look in if you want to see some of the stuff. Tim's doing the stuff in there now. Um, look in Black Belt. Uh, you may never look in there, but it really would behoove you to look into this, even if you don't want to get in and do all this fighting. Yeah, this looks really tough, but the everyday person needs to understand this stuff. Uh, we, it was sold heavily to martial artists, but it's really not a martial arts system, and there is nothing like what Jerry Peterson and what Tim what they've got. I mean, and, this and is you should unique, know totally. that Ralph can kill you with his bare hands <laughs> in uh, 35 seconds or uh, less. Um, all right, guys, Thanks. off the stage, next four. Can I get, can I get my other four? Uh, Panelists up here, please. Joe, I think that uh, that includes you, I think.
Tim, why don't you go first? I'm Tim Paulson. I create and market information products for the hair replacement industry. Um, so I make my money with ink and paper as well. My high school English teacher would fall over dead if she knew that because well, I didn't do so well in her class. Um, but the assignment from Dan was to come up with a, or share a couple of ideas that uh, are effectively used in my copywriting. So I want to be real clear and real concise and real pithy. Um, actually, I'm very surprised, I wasn't going to mention this, I'm very surprised we haven't spoken much about free recorded messages. At the conference in February, Dan, that was mentioned over and over and over. And several said, if there's nothing else you remember or apply, apply the free recorded message concept. And I did, and it's magic. That's all I'm going to say about that. You can talk about it later. Um, so, again, going back to the February conference, a couple of things I picked up there because that was my first conference with Dan. One was, and, and you introduced um, Dr. Whitaker's sales letter. I mean, it's brilliant. It's like 20 pages long. It sells a $79, uh, what, magazine or, or a subscription to a newsletter. And the thing you pointed out over and over, and I want to share with you, is big promises. In the hair replacement industry, and I think it's applicable in other industries as well, um, a lot of times it's, if you're not satisfied, you'll get your money back. And I'm saying, that's not a big promise. What's so big about that? What's exciting about that? So I started to apply big promises, and I wanted to give you some examples here. Can we turn this on? Okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. and, and so what I've done is created marketing programs for the hair replacement companies. So I've created sales letters and ads and press releases and all sorts of stuff for them in a package. So what I'm going to show you here are some of the letters from that. Then I'm going to show you a couple of samples of the letters that I have sent to sell that to them for as high as $2,897 and more recently $947. So here's some of the headlines. Just to illustrate real quickly the big promise. What is that? End baldness in 29 days without surgery or pain. How a new kind of hair process gave me more hair in just 59 minutes. Dominoes, hot fresh to your door, 30 minutes or less, guaranteed, all over again for this industry. No mention of good pizza. Yeah. Anyway. No mention of good hair. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. As you would say, a tremendous example of truth and advertising. advertising that's right. The lazy man's way for getting more hair. That's not so much a big promise, but another illustration of borrowing from other industries. The quickest way known to solve your hair loss problem. They laughed when I said I could get more hair in just one hour, but when I did it, it looks familiar, doesn't it? Let me give you a couple more here real quickly. This has worked real well. This is absolutely the easiest way ever for you to have a future free of hair loss. This isn't a big promise, but... <laughs> have you, you gotten anybody to use it? The, absolutely. They've applied this in radio advertising with great success, by the way. I mean, that, the, the, the announcer comes on, hair loss sucks. That gets their attention a little bit. But on the sales letter and print ads they've been using, this is one of the more successful ones. I borrowed this from Dan. Prospecting sucks. And actually, at the top of the sales letter, it says, a blast of brutal honesty. Hair loss sucks. 
Um, and then here's the guarantee. So I was talking about the guarantee before. Big promise is if you're not satisfied, money back. That's boring. So I tried to jazz that up a little bit. We guarantee that your new hair will look so natural that you'll be accused of having found the fountain of youth. And it goes on, or we'll give you your money back. A um, couple more examples. Now, some in the hair replacement industry as well talk about, okay, we want to give you, or we can give you the hair back gradually. Well, let's give a big promise here. So here's the promise I came up with. You can get more hair so subtly, your wife won't even notice. <laughs> here's another one. And this goes, go, you've already seen this headline, but this is, this is a very successful letter. I guarantee that your new hair will look so natural that your friends and family will think you've discovered the fountain of youth, or I'll pay, or I'll pay right out of my pocket, it talks about. And um, so this is a sales, now this is the headline for the letter that I sent out to market this marketing program. The world's easiest, and so that's a big promise. Not just a good marketing program, just, you know, not just a one that I hope you're going to like. It's the world's easiest and most complete hair replacement marketing program, including the best ads, blah, blah, blah. Finally, marketing hair replacement made simple. Now, for every dollar I've spent sending this out, I get $100 back. So I, I'm going to continue sending that out. A little out. more. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a couple more. Now, um, You'd be amazed how many people don't get that, by the way. Yeah. The, the next thing that would be said after that statement, for every dollar I spend sending this out, I get 100 back. Often what I will hear the next statement is, and so I'm working on the next letter. <laughs> well, I am, I mean, but I keep saying it. Mail more, you know. <laughs> Um, I, I work out at a gym, and they're, at the gym they've got a, a wellness center, and they're getting into endermology. Do you know what that is? Endermology, I think it's pronounced. You don't know what it is? Anyway, for, for dimples of the thighs and the backside, mostly uh, for females are real excited about this. little dimpling, a uh, little cellulite dimpling. So, so that's a deep massage you machine. Mean, are they fixing it or are they putting it on? <laughs> I'm, I'm they're, to, they're creating it if you want yeah, it, I okay. guess. But it's to smooth out the thighs, thinner the appearance of thinner and smoother thighs and backside. So they they had this horrible marketing piece, and I said, well, let me come up with a letter. So this is simple. There's nothing exciting about this other than have thinner looking thighs and backside without even breaking a sweat. Big promise. Now, it's true that you can do it. It's better if you exercise and provide or combine a, a great diet, but you can actually thin that out or get the appearance of thinner thighs and without the use of, dr use of drugs or dangerous surgery. Now, just real quickly to end, a couple more. Um, another thing that I learned, so first was big promises, free recorded messages I've, I've, with great success, and I thank Dan for, for sharing that with us in February. Another was... Um, Kind of the story element in the ads, or the sales letters, and this is what I'm showing you now. Telling a story. Now, I, I got this from a really great marketing guru. He's a real outrageous guy. If I don't get this off my chest, I'm going to explode. Exposed a blast of brutal honesty about Tim Paulson, that guy who sends you letters all the time. Does that sound familiar to anybody? All right, Joe, here's a little, little royalty on that. But anyway, so He'll Joe has... Too. Yeah, I know, I'll never see that again. But um, Joe did an ad that, that was like... Up um, under a G-string uh, like, like exposed... <laughs> exposed and, you know, about Joe Polish. And I remember you're saying that, that people read that expecting 
them to expose you for the dirt bag that you really are, quote unquote. If you've listened to the tapes, you've heard that. But this is um, exposed, a, bra a blast of brutal honesty, and it talks actually about um, some testimonials, individuals making a ton of money with my new marketing program. So it goes on to tell the story. Now, my father is an artist. He's a professional artist, been doing it for 35 years. He's on TV, the PBS stations, The Art of Buck Paulson. To answer your next question, that's not the guy with the big hair. I'm always asked that question. I introduce my father to people. My father doesn't have much hair. I introduce him to people. This is my, this is my dad. He's on TV. You know, he's the artist. Oh, are you? They'll look at him. Are you the one with the big hair? <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway. But he's a, he's a great artist. The art of Buck Paulson. You should know him. But uh, I got this idea one day. I said, gosh, you know, he's been painting for 35 years. In his attic, he has hundreds of paintings. So I came up with an idea and put together an, a letter Son of famous artist. <laughs> Discovers forgotten paintings in father's attic. Son now making paintings available to art lovers through private offering at plenty of room for value appreciation prices. It goes on and it says, it's a story, and that's what I'm illustrating here. It's talking about how I was visiting him in Santa Barbara, California, and I'm walking along in the morning, and there's a nice breeze off of the ocean, and, and, um, and I could feel something in my bones, something exciting was going to happen, and I ventured in my father's attic, and under the dust, screaming at me, share me with the world, were these paintings. And I told my dad, you know, this would be a lot better if you were dead. But <laughs> it's not quite as valuable. But anyway, so we've... Well, put it in the tech, tech, tickler file, you know, I mean... That's... Yeah, the tickler file. I put that about 20 years ago. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> Can you get lost for like five years, Dad? You know, we could really sell a lot of paintings. So anyway, um, that's it. Um, and, and it's all happened as it three years ago I started doing this I resigned my position as a vice president of, Cell, of Hair Club for Men and I said I'm gonna do something else and I discovered Dan shortly before that and it's all been established as a result of, of Dan so I appreciate it very much questions for Tim <laughs> yes good question four thousand four thousand and twenty six hair replacement companies, non-surgical, uh, in the United States. Most of them are barbers that just kind of get involved with like toupees and hair pieces and stuff. Um, it's a small market. And I've marketed, I've created all sorts of stuff. I'm trying to, I create all of the materials that I sell to them. Started out with audio cassette tape programs, 12 cassette tapes for $179. I marketed that through direct mail. People would get that and then say, hey, we want to hire you to be a speaker. So they'd, I'd do that. Then I'd do boot camps to those people who purchased. Then I created additional audio cassette tape programs for their stylists. Then another one for the receptionists. And then I wrote an eight-volume encyclopedia program, 1,367 pages, eight volumes. It was professionally published, uh, pr privately published, or how do you do that? Um, Self-published. I got that idea from PowerPoint, by the way. I said, hey, I can kind of package my information. And it's really, it's, it's per, what do they call it, perfect binding, and it's beautiful. $695 that sells for. Then I wrote the hair replacement industry's sales Bible. So I wrote the Bible. They call me Moses within the, you know, the, the industry. <laughs> and, and so that's $125. <clears throat> and then I created this marketing program. So I keep going back to them. 
but I'm constantly working on new products and so forth. But I'm venturing out. You saw the endermology and the art a little bit, but going to get into the cosmetic dentistry and things like that. Much bigger, much bigger market. But the niche is really great, and Dan mentioned it. Go to the industry that you're real familiar with, and it's been beautiful. It's wonderful. All the way in the back. Are there any hairy places? Is that a copy-related question? No. Okay. The, the answer is yes. There's some, great, there's some great options out there, absolutely. There's some that would blow you away that you would think they discovered the fountain of youth with, you know. <laughs> That's good. Okay, you had one over here, Tim. Sorry, yes. there you go. Tim, what's your most successful campaign? Um, most, the most successful campaign. The most successful campaign was this one. Well, in terms of dollars coming back. Oh, oh, I see. So, marketing campaign that they're using, the free hair, Hair Club for Men free hair offer. It's like, got the idea from the cellular phone industry where it used to be $1,000 for a cellular phone, and then you get it for free, and um, you just have to sign a contract. And Hair Club for Men does free hair, and you just sign up for a year service agreement or whatever they're doing now. That one, by far the most successful. Hair loss sucks. It's a getting, moving up there. I like that one. Anything else? Really? One more? Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Jack, why don't you go next? Hi, my name's uh, Jack McDonough. I uh, was a CPA in my previous life, and I've uh, since evolved into a CPA who provides marketing uh, packages to CPAs and to attorneys, uh, specifically for dealing with uh, IRS problem clients. And um, the, uh, the niche has worked out really well for us, and um, I wanted to share with you one thing that uh, I think anybody who's selling information products in this room could use immediately. Um, I didn't bring a whole lot of overheads, I brought one, but it's one of the more effective ones we have. It's a, a discounting model that really just discounts price. And our conversion rate is about 2.5% with this model. So it's really just giving people a reason to, uh, to look at what we have. And uh, we, use, we market this to our dead leads, people that haven't responded to our first, second, third mailings. Um, some of these people are as old as 18 months old, and they're still buying. So... Regardless of what your product is, you can use this model. I mean, we've called it Overstock Special. Uh, this, this was last spring. We recently call it the Anniversary Special. And um, I think we call it the Fall Special. I got this out of uh, Dan's PowerPoints. And it's worked out very well. So um, it's a very quick way. I think it was under your cash surge area. And I was looking for a cash surge. And it, and it was three weeks later. It was very effective. So, All right. That's it? That's about all I have. All right. Anybody got, you got one right there. You got a question going back here. Yes. We send it out in the spring and the fall. Just for no other reason that that was the fall. So you take all your accumulated unconverted leads. Right. And every so, in his case, twice a year, every so often, you do this. Now, right. do you cleanse your, do, they, do you drop them then? If they don't respond to this, you cut them out? No, that's, we've had people that didn't buy the first time, buy the second time. This is the third time right now. So, 
It's not a sequence. It's just every six months, basically. Oh, they went to a three-piece sequence before. So, okay. question? Um, I think it was 199, 200, now we're at 201. <laughs> Jack, is there, keep, si- is there a science to that, Jack? <laughs> is there... well, it was so we could keep track of it in the office, yeah. so we send uh, the right one out. No. Uh, okay, this is coding. All right. This is Michael? Michael. Um, no, not at so all. So the question we, we, is, why not use it as a fourth step instead of right. waiting every... We'll probably test it that way now that we know it works. It's, it's worked better each time, so... All right, anybody else? All righty. Uh, Michael, we're going to save you for last. Uh, Joseph. Huh? Okay, my name is Mike... Oh. My name is Michael Kimball, and I do a lot of different things, but a couple of markets that I'm in, I have a course, a marketing system that I sell to printers, to the printing industry, and we just put one together for the uh, travel industry, travel agents, and just started marketing that a couple of weeks ago. A couple of tips, a few tips. Well, first of all, when I sit down to write a sales letter, I always have Dan's Ultimate Sales Letter book nearby. I, I've read that book many times. It just it gets my thinking right. It just gets me on track, and I refer to it while I'm writing a letter, and that helps out a lot because of the checklist that you have, and it's really a good book. Um, for headlines, yes, I do subscribe to National Enquirer, and um, I just I don't really read it. I just skim through it whenever I see a good headline. (laughs) I write it down on a three by five index card and put it in a box and when it's time for me to come up with a headline I just pull out my cards, stack of cards and read through them and um, you know it gets me again thinking of good headlines and it's an easy way to come up with headlines. And also before I sit down and write a sales letter And Dan mentioned this earlier today, but I make a list of every possible question that I think the prospect would come up with and every possible objection that they may come up with and, you know, make it a point that I'll overcome and answer those questions uh, and objections in the letter. And then I'll always try to write the distant the best offer, the best irresistible offer that I can possibly come up with. I mean, to me, the offer is everything. If you have a good offer, and it, once you have a good offer, it makes it a lot easier to write your sales letter. Um, and Dan was also talking about shortcuts. A, a good newsletter that you can subscribe to is, uh, I think you mentioned Who's Mail and What, but they changed the name. It's now Inside Direct Mail. And it comes out every month, and every month they have a, maybe a 10 different ads and sales letters that they analyze. And is Denny still doing it? Is it yes. Denny? And the telephone number is area code 215-238-5092. And also another neat thing about these people is they have an archives of hundreds of thousands of 
sales letters, and they're all controls. So, again, talking about shortcuts, if you get in a position where you need to write a sales letter, you can contact them and tell them, you know, what your product is or what your service is, and they will search their archives and pull any sales letter that was written related to your product or service, and they'll make a copy of it and mail it to you. So there's another shortcut. What are they charging for the archive service? Now, I haven't used them in a couple of years. I need to resubscribe myself. Um, I think it's like... Yeah, if you're a member, and then if you if you're not a member, and if you are a member, I think it's like five dollars a page. Something, yeah, but it's worth it. I mean, certainly if you have not built up, certainly if you have not built up swipe files of your own, this is a great shortcut uh, because for seventy bucks or one hundred and forty bucks or whatever it takes, you can have eight, ten, twelve really good controls in front of you for whatever campaign you're trying to do. Uh, Michael, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Well, they're all controls. No. They're only pulling control pieces out of the archives. But you right? get everything, the envelope. I mean, it's, it's the entire piece. And sometimes they'll even actually send, they'll send you the actual piece because it's their only copy and it's a loaner. So you, you have to mail it back to them like in two weeks. Yeah, like we just started weeks. an insurance. We just started working on, on, on an insurance campaign for doctors. And Michael accessed and got eight or ten really good controls. Great shortcuts. Saved me a lot of time. Um, so that's a good source. Um, Dan mentioned grabbers this morning. I mean, I can't say enough about grabbers. I mean, I try to use them whenever I can. Um, I've done testing with sales letters, with grabbers, without, and a lot of times, I mean, it'll, uh, the sales letter, I mean, the exact letter, but add a grabber to it, it'll, it'll pull two to one over the one without the grabber. Uh, I've used million dollar bills, fake money, real dollar bills. Where do you get a good million dollar bill? Michael Jans. Michael Jans. <laughs> um, but anyway, grabbers you really do work. You were up here, you know. I just want to remind you, if you, you know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to hype stuff, you know, you were up here. I didn't think it would be appropriate. Why not? Everybody else is. Pass them out, Michael. And here's another grabber I'm using right now. It's um, a cartoon comic strip as a grabber. Comic strip cartoon. Dan found this for Dan sent this to me. That's a report to the travel industry, and it's uh, I forget who it is. What is it, Kathy? Some whatever strip it is. Yes, yeah, Kathy. Travel agents. Yeah, isn't that cool? First letter. And also, I wanted to show you, um, Joe just asked me if I was going to talk about it, so I will. Um, Dan also talked about reformatting your ads. Well, I, I do that. I mean, I've taken a full-page ad that I run in trade publications and uh, converted it to an oversized postcard that he mentioned earlier, 8.5 by, by 11 postcard. I've mailed that. I've taken the same ad and converted it into a four-page lead generation sales letter and mailed it that way. I've faxed ads. Uh, I try to get as many miles as possible out of my ads. But here's another ad that I recently converted. 
It was an ad with the, uh, it was a full page lead generation ad for the printing industry and the headline was the diary of a frustrated printer. And one of my printing clients has a business that specializes in printing uh, on paper that looks like notebook paper. We, you know, it's got the blue lines and the, the red um, margin and yeah, they even looks like it's the, torn off of a legal Yeah, it pad. looks like it's torn off the top. So I took my ad, my full-page ad, and, and uh, wrote it down on paper and printed it up into a five-page lead generation sales letter. It's printed blue ink. I mean, it looks like someone wrote this in ink. And it's got the headline, The Diary of a Frustrated Printer. And I also have a... Um, oh, another grabber that I use already is um, Post-it Notes. You know, they're cheap and easy. But... Um, and that's working real well. And we put it in a number 10 envelope with the hand address font, laser addressed. And um, the response was great. We're getting good. Li- I mean, uh, I think we, well, I did a test mailing about two weeks ago. We got about 120 leads, 120 uh, printers responded to it. And the last time we ran the numbers, which was uh, sometime last week, we already had like four orders. So it's, it's successful, so now I just need to roll it out. And I also found out that um, the next time I mail it, I found out that you can buy toner cartridges with blue ink instead of black ink. So next time we're going to laser dress it in blue ink. Two thousand. Pass this, but pass it quick, okay? Quick, quick. Look past. Look past. Don't read it. Don't memorize it. Just get the idea, <laughs> get the idea of what it looks like because it's important. Uh, that idea came from, at least where I got it from, is uh, one, of, uh, one of the great uh, political control pieces of all time. Is a fundraising letter done by Ron Paul, one of the many times he ran for president on the Libertarian Party, and it was done just like that. Handwritten, blue ink on yellow legal pad, uh, the theme being that he was writing it while he was flying home, tired at night. Uh, hugely successful piece. Um, uh, th- this thing's going to get read. This is really, a, this is really a great concept. You couldn't overuse it with the same marketplace, but uh, use sparingly. That it's just terrific. But anyway, that's a few of the ideas that I had to share with you. Questions for Michael? Oh, um, then these archives, how fast you get this stuff? They'll overnight it to you. I mean, if you called them today and needed it tomorrow, they would do that for you. Um, so you can get it pretty quickly. Anybody else? Jim? Well, this is a uh, laser addressed. Yes, laser addressed, and it's black ink. We're going to use blue next time. Yes. Well, I mean, it is it, the whole thing's in handwriting. So, oh yeah, there's underlining done. I think you probably did some underlining. Yeah, and I, and stuff, I messed you? up some words. You messed and up some words and, and scratched one out and started over. And I mean, the idea is to fool them into they're getting the only one. 
Um, yes, I, I've got a, a company that does it for me. But yeah, they can do any number. TJ. Right. How you stay organized, but it's not a copy question, so short answer. It's an unfair question. It's a, it's not a copy question, so short answer. I'd try to job out as much as possible. Okay, that's a good short answer. Next question. <laughs> that's good. Anybody else? Okay. Huh? Yes. I, I might have missed it, but what's what's the is it a pre-report this little yellow guy going around? What do you Yes, it's uh, it's a lead generation letter. For for report, sorry, yes. And I understand it's a recycled ad. Yes, so, it's an ad that's been running know, in their trade publications. You know, one and of those, that I've also faxed to them as well. Yeah, one of the most important points Michael made is when you got a winner, you, you want to ride it every way you can ride it. So if it worked as an ad, will it work turned into a sales letter? And if it works as one kind of sales letter, here's a, here's a whole other look to the same sales letter. Will it work as a broadcast fax? Will it work as a postcard? All cycling through the same prospect list, but each one performing successfully, getting different prospects to raise their hands out of that same list because some read the postcard and others don't, and some will pay attention to this and others won't, and so forth. Okay? Yes, code. This one, yes. Broadcast facts question? Excellent. I mean, that, that's my lowest lead cost. I'm getting leads for uh, like anywhere between $2.75 to $4 each when I do lead generation facts broadcasting. The, the big trick to broadcast facts that we've identified so far is it, is it works best and in fact almost only works in the business environment where the businesses are small enough that the decision maker is getting the faxes. Where it's a problem is big companies where you can't get it to the right person or a situation like, like Terry would have uh, where a real estate office has 80 agents in it but they got one fax machine. And so you're going to fax your thing in there but you're not going to reach your 80 prospects. But like print shop, travel agencies, a lot of small mom and poppers, four or five people in the office, one decision maker, working great. Doctors, which going to be, yes, perfect. How do you get the fax numbers? Technical question, not a copy question. We'll oh, and, um, it, but it's I, easy. I just, I just thought of a list. Yeah. yeah, they're out there. I, I mean, mean you, same way you get mailing lists, exact same way. Yeah, they're out there. They're association lists that you can buy, you can rent. Um, another, another little trick, too, that I just started adding to some of my lead generation, well, not to some of them, all of them, lead generation ads, you know, I always have them call ATG Technologies for the free recorded message. But, you know, when you're going to printers and when you're going to travel agents, they all have fax machines in their office. So I add another paragraph where they can just, and 
give them the option to either call and listen to a free recorded message and leave their name and address, or fax in their letterhead and write report dash, and then I code it, whatever the code is, 11 or report dash 13, so I know where it's coming from. And we get a lot of uh, leads that way as well. Works real well. Last question. How many pages is that lead generation? This is a multi- Five pager. How many pages is your free report? Uh, 16 page. Why would you not, I'm confused about the lead generation. I can see by putting in the magazine, but why, if you're gonna send a five page letter, why not just send a 16 page report and follow up? Oh, what a very good question. Oh, what a good question. question? He gets a prize. The question is, if you're going to mess around sending out a five-page lead generation letter, why not skip that step altogether and just go ahead and cold mail the 16-page a report? Why send a lead generation letter and make somebody turn around and request the sales letter? Why not just send the sales letter? You want to take this? Yeah, just, well, first of all, we get them into a funnel and get them into a sequence where they, right now I'm up to five letters that I send them. So if someone raises up their hand, uh, they're going to get one letter, and then three weeks later, they're going to get a second letter, and then three weeks later, they're going to get a third. I'm up to five steps now, so I get them into a sequence. Right, do you, but do you do multiple lead generation letters, too, or just the one lead generation letter? Because in, in your course, you've got, like, three lead generation letters. Then if they respond to that, then you put them into another sequence. Yeah, no, he's doing multiple lead generation letters. He's doing lead generation broadcast facts, lead generation letter. The reason you don't want to make cold mail your sales letter is because you won't get nearly as good a results as you will by separate. You want to separate the herd as early and cheaply as possible. So you want so, and then you want to sp- devote as much of your resources as possible to people who've raised their hands and said, "Yep, I'm interested." So, if we've got a list of 5,000 use, 5,000 mag- magicians, right, and we're going to sell them the next new. The, a magic trick that can make tigers turn into parrots, okay? Uh, we can mail them all, but we will be much better off using some short approach to get the 500 out of the 5,000 who really want to know about that to raise their hand and say, yep, I want to know how to do that, and then spend our money bombarding those 500 and sending them a more expensive package. Uh, generated leads will always outperform in multiples cold-readed lists. That, I mean, that's why. So you're separating the herd as you go. Right, but how, what's, the difference in co- I had, what's the difference in cost, though? I mean, he's sending out that letter. He's going to do three sequences of that. Anyway, he's going to do three sequences of his sales letter. Is there, I mean, I can see if you're sending out one It's page. infinitely more profitable to do the lead generation and then only put those people who have raised their hands through the rest of the sequence. Right. If, they don't, yeah, right. They, if they don't ask for it, you are an uninvited salesperson. And, um, you know, for just in postage alone, this one piece that's passing around is 32 cents. The okay. piece that I'm mailing right now is one of them's uh, 101 and the other one's 78 cents. And then there's more printed P. I mean, they get a lot of stuff when they raise up their hand. Um, the first three are different. Uh, well, it's basically the same letter, uh, just different headlines, and one of them uh, we <coughs> scribbled up with blue ink, and uh, the fourth one has a cover letter on it from 
one of my uh, success stories, one of the members that's having a lot of success with it, talking about all the successes, and, and it's on top of the first report. And then the last one, um, we uh, give them the option to pay half now, half when they start making money with it. And that letter is converting really well, too. Nobody's mentioned this. Questions about facts on demand. I don't. Um, anybody want it? Um, it's almost antiquated. Um, and uh, in terms of delivering sales letters, it's not a real good mechanism. Um, Um, it, it, it's almost antiquated now, and often uh, the biggest problem with faxing sales letters, you know, one, one with broadcast faxing for lead generation, off, in most cases you're only sending one, two pages at the most, and generally what most people are faxing is an ad, and so it's typeset and, it's appear, and it would have appeared in black and white anyway, with no embellishments in the magazine. But when you start to like fax your eight-page sales letter or your 16-page sales letter, or they, call, they dial up and ask for that, it's now arriving in plain Jane black and white with no opportunity for you to do things to it. You can't put two of the pieces on yellow paper and one on pink. You can't do blue margin notes. You can't, so you, you've stripped all the fun and excitement out of the mail piece. There's also something to be said for this physical process of opening an envelope and handling the stuff. Uh, the same thing is still true about uh, uh, delivering the sales letter by email. Uh, Ted Nicholas is one who's done some significant testing and discovered that he could generate leads very well on the net, but if he turned around and let them get autoresponder, which is like fax on demand but done on the computer, if he let them get the sales letter back by autoresponder, the results were not very good at all. Take the same lead that was generated on, on, on the net and now send them the snail mail, as the computer folks would say, package, the regular direct mail package, and those leads are every bit as good as leads generated from other sources. So the combination of the cosmetics, if you will, and the physical handling of the stuff is an important part of selling that, ha that we don't yet have an opportunity to even come close to duplicating through the technological de uh, 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 delivery mechanisms. That can be fixed. That can be fixed, but this other stuff is much more important because it, it doesn't sell. Um, what do they get when they request the report? Um, well, it's, I've got a sample, but it's a 16-page sales letter or report. Uh, it's got an eight-page testimonial piece. Um, it's got an order form, and it's also got another form that restates the guarantee, the guarantees, because there's three guarantees. And also it's got an insert from uh, the vice president of one of the associations that endorses my product. Um, it's just a letter from him endorsing it, and uh, he's advising them to, to
to read the letter, lock the door. It's a lift note. It's right. an endorsement lift note. Okay? Last one for Michael, all the way, all the way back. How long are your guarantees? Uh, three days, 90 days, a year, two years? 90 days. Well, the first one is 90 days. Just, you know, if you don't like the color of the material, send it back. I mean, no reason. The second one is um, use any one strategy in the system for one year, and if it hasn't made you at least $10,000 additional income that you would have not received otherwise, uh, send it back for a refund. And guarantee number three is use the entire system for a full year, and you will at least double your business. And if that doesn't happen, send it back and you get a full refund. So it's one unconditional, two conditional. The conditionals must prove usage. The third one, of course, is like the dead guarantee from Ralph. The, the, uh, the likelihood of anybody ever using every part of a complete system and being able to prove they did is roughly equivalent to me levitating in the next five minutes. You know, I mean. We could do that, though. And then, uh, oh, and the letter itself is guaranteed. Um, if they read the letter and they feel like I've wasted their time after reading it, they can jot me a little note to that effect, and uh, we cut them a check for $25. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you, sir. You bet. Thank Michael. <laughs> Fifteen minutes. You guys must be totally exhausted, correct? Should give these guys some speed for the last time. Just kidding. Edit that out the video while you're dropping stuff. All right, anyway, I'm Joe Polish. The uh, name of the company is Piranha Marketing. We operate here in uh, Phoenix and uh, actually Tempe, and we have an office in Albuquerque also. The Albuquerque office is run by my partner, R.D. Uh, raise your hand, R.D. Cute blonde over there. Single. No, I'm kidding. She's not single. Um, and also, the, what we do would not be anything without Tony and Eunice, who've been with me forever. You know, raise your hand, Tony and Eunice. That's my wonderful staff. They're great. And we have a couple more staff people that are not here tonight. But uh, Tony and Eunice have been with me pretty much since I started this thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's doing really well now. Anyway, what I do? Sell information products to um, niche industries. Main industry is carpet and upholstery cleaners. We're the most well-known marketing group to uh, carpet and upholstery cleaners throughout the world. We have uh, roughly about 3,000 what we call members that have bought our stuff. Uh, a lot in the United States, a lot in Australia, New Zealand, uh, the UK, various other countries, things like that. We have distributors in, uh, in the UK. And uh, I'm, I'm also in several other businesses. I have, I'm part owner of a carpet cleaning business here. If you want to look in the uh, carpet cleaning uh, section in the phone book up in, in the hotel here, we have a full-page ad, a company called AA Certified Services. If you want a good example of a, a good yellow-page ad, it, it has all the um, you know, ingredients of a good ad from headline to free recorded message to packaged offers to an eavesdrop line, which is a recorded message of testimonials. Um, he was absolutely right about free recorded messages. If there's one technique that I've learned in the marketing business, it's, it's how to use free recorded messages. I I've got into what I'm doing. Uh, I, was a, I was a struggling carpet cleaner back in late 1989, early 1990. I've been doing the marketing business for about three or four years. Um, I was broke, living off credit cards. Uh, for, I had a friend that had given me a copy of the Gary Halbert newsletter. I read it. For some reason, it became addictive. I really liked this stuff and would stay up all night reading it. 
really bizarre. I guess people that get this marketing bug, you know, tend to know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, I read the Gary Halbert letter, proceeded to buy everything that he suggested, uh, you know, racked up my credit cards even higher because Gary's pretty good at selling stuff. Uh, Gary's a good friend of mine now. I, I talk to him nearly every day on the phone. Uh, Gary is what eventually led me to Dan Kennedy. Um, through the process, I learned how to use a couple of techniques, one mainly using free recorded messages and another uh, putting out a consumer awareness guide for carpet cleaners, which is using an information device while I was still in the carpet cleaning business. So regardless if you sell information products like us that have spoken or if you're in another type of business, you should rely heavily on the use of information as a sales device. I happen to sell information now, but at the time I had a consumer awareness guide for carpet cleaning, free recorded messages, various sales letters and things like that. And as I learned more about the marketing business, because everyone I studied was a mail order person for the most part, that's where they kind of lean towards is mail order, I learned mail order techniques and I just wanted, wanted to figure out how to sell them to other carpet cleaners after I literally turned my carpet cleaning business around. So I you know, came across Dan and um, I originally started the business with one of Dan's ex-partners which I ended up buying out and we separated. But if, if any of you want a really excellent course on how to do niche marketing, you've heard a lot of us talk about niche marketing. If you don't know what that is, like the JPDK type of model then buy Jeff Paul's mail order course. It's excellent. I mean, it'll be the best few hundred dollars you ever spent on how to do information niche marketing. So anyway, I started in a publishing business selling information products to carpet cleaners. Uh, it, the, the business ended up going really well. We ran a really cheap ad originally, uh, in a regional ad. Some of you had, had asked questions, how do you test, you know, A-B tests. Uh, if you're going in any niche marketing, ask them if they do regional advertising. You can run, like, ads in very small areas. Uh, in regional sections, we, you know, our first ad cost 138 bucks. We sold $4,000 worth of courses off that. We didn't even have the courses written, so we hurried up quickly. Uh, <laughs> it's called dry testing, but I, it's not a good. I'm no, it's, a, it's called publish on demand. All right, whatever. <laughs> So anyway, and then, you know, second month we sold $7,000 uh, $7, worth of stuff. Third month we sold $20,000. Uh, that was probably four years ago. I, we've not sold less than $20,000 a month for, since then. We're, we, you know, we easily do over hundred grand a month every month now. Um, it's, it's a good business, um, but we sell an excellent product. We have tons of happy clients. I have hours upon hours of testimonials, and I use them in every way, shape, and form. I quickly... Um, we run ads in trade magazines that are just like uh, these guys have just shown you. you know. Uh, also, I'm also in the licensing business, too. For some reason, uh, I, I, I attract attention, and people seek me out and pay me for advice on how to do information publishing. And I have uh, licensees. Uh, about five of my licensees are here, but I have licensees in the jewelry business, uh, uh, heating, air conditioning, home remodeling hair and nail salons, uh, car sales, uh, printing, painting, accounting, travel. Um, what else do we do? What, am I missing one? Anyway, I'm in 10 different industries, so if you know anyone that has any type of business, I probably you know, know the person that has created a custom course on how to like, make that business work. But anyway, and half of them are in this room. But um, if I can find one of my ads. All right, screw it. Here's the Joel and Julie Cohen ad, the one that Dan uh, had put in the book that he passed out today. What this is, basically, it's a, it's a full-page ad that drives people to a free recorded message so they can get a free report. The free report is, uh, our current one's a 28-page sales letter with a bunch of testimonials, order forms, things like that. If you called it a sales letter, no one would request, request it. So we call it a free report. 
and they call and they listen to a, a recorded message. They hear me, and we offer a free report. We send that out, and we do it in sequences, and we sell people a kit. We have different uh, types of kits uh, ranging in price from $597 to $797. We're coming out with a new sales letter in about two weeks. It's gonna be, we're going to test a $1,497 product. After we get people as members, is which we call them, we send them cassette tapes, uh, a subscription to a newsletter, various booklets and reports and things, and then we sell them back-end products like a, a client newsletter, which is a newsletter they can send to their clients. Um, we, we sell them videos. Uh, we have boot camps that we do. We've done four boot camps. Dan has spoken at every one of the boot camps. There's also a cover letter from one of my boot camps in the white book that Dan handed out. Boot camps are very profitable. We charge 1000 to $1,500 a person. last two that we did this year we had 167 at our boot camp in April. Um, we had um, 120 in the one we did in August. I have really good speakers. I had Gary Halbert speak at the one in April. Dan speaks at all of them. Ken Glickman from Boardroom Reports. Um, you know, it's probably the next one we do. We'll probably have Ken Kerr speaking at that one, and if he's available and things like that. But they're just really, you know, really good ways to get deep in within your niche. I've caused quite a reputation in the industry. What worked really well for me, if you want to go into any niche, is I started to get to know the people that were really well known in the industry as quickly as possible. Um, I interviewed them. A good thing to do, a little sneaky technique, is if you want to get instant credibility, call up the editor of a trade magazine and offer to uh, interview him on future trends of the industry. That sounds good. That'll work for anything. And then he'll feel honored that you're interviewing him and putting him him as guru status. And then if you've interviewed the editor of a trade magazine, it immediately, immediately... implies on some level that they're somehow endorsing you. And then you get articles in the magazine. You put your free recorded message. You get free lead generation out of the articles. So that's always a a good thing to do. Uh, I love doing a lot of name dropping. Name dropping is a very good technique in order to take somebody that's an unknown and link yourself to famous people. I do it all the time with my Tape of the Month Club. I I couldn't remember all the people I've interviewed, but some people I've interviewed... uh, I've interviewed Dan a couple of times, a lot of marketing people, Alan Anton, Jerry Wilson. I've interviewed Michael Gerber. I've consulted with Michael Gerber down at the E-Myth Academy. Brad Richdale, Ken Glickman from Boardroom Reports, uh, Terry Lonier, Terry Hunnefield. Funny. Terry, raise your hand. Very bright guy. Terry's brilliant marketer. Uh, to the real estate industry. We, we did a tape of the month interview in a car driving to one of my seminars. It was, uh, you all been handed out a sales letter. And that was like the road trip from hell interview, or whatever it was called, because you were like totally drunk while we were driving. No, I'm kidding. Was it? Uh, anyway, it's too late in the day. Normally this is funny, at least to me it's funny. It's, that, that wasn't even funny to me. I don't even know what the problem is. But um, No, we, went to a, we did a tape interview in a car driving to one of my seminars, and seminars are really profitable. I'm going to talk about this in a minute, so everyone pull this out and get it ready. I'll... I'll briefly go over this letter because I know we're short on time. Uh, this letter made me about $300,000 last year. But, uh, that, yeah, that seminar that me and Terry went to after the interview, uh, I sold $44,000 worth of stuff in one day during that, that seminar. That was good. And I've interviewed Gary Halbert, Dave Kekich. Uh, just did a great interview with John Carlton about two weeks ago. Uh, that was a hilarious interview on copywriting and stuff like that. So anyway, if you, I would suggest if you want to sell information products and you want to create them very quickly, interview gurus or interview well-known people in the industry, and you can easily create products real quickly, especially those of you that don't have 
you know, writing things down, um, you know, to, to where you can create a 200-page manual in two weeks. But the easy way to create a 200-page manual in two weeks is sit in front of a tape recorder and spew as much information and knowledge as you have onto a tape, have it transcribed, slap it in a binder, and hopefully if, if you're a bright person and you've got good information to tell people, you can start selling that. Um, but the most important thing is not necessarily the product. The most important thing is the marketing, writing the ads, writing the sales letters, uh, you know, uh, don't, don't spend all your time trying to create the perfect product and then going out and figuring out how to sell it. I'm sure Dan said that a lot and you heard it a lot, but no matter how much I've seen that preached, I see so many people focus on, uh, you know, product development. If, and, and I'm not that bright. I just happen to focus on a few areas. And for some odd reason, you know, my focus is, you know, I want to sell like crazy. And, and that's what I focus on. Sales, sales, sales. The most important thing is selling. You aren't going to have a business if you don't create sales. Sales is the most important function. That should be your main focus. Um, this particular sales letter is just another way. I do all the stuff that everyone's been talking about, running ads in, in trade magazines that drive people to free recorded messages to uh, send them free reports, and then they buy a course. Another way that I also sell my courses is I get suppliers in the carpet cleaning industry to endorse me to their customers. And the way this works, this particular letter, I print up the letter on their letterhead, on their envelopes. This is an actual sales letter that I did. At this, this seminar, we didn't make that much money. I only, uh, this was in LA, we only did about uh, 17,000 in back-end sales. I don't know what this seminar ended up being for the day, which is pretty good for a day. But, um, you know, it, uh, I hate travel, so in order for me to get real excited about it, I like making at least 30 grand when I do a seminar. But um, anyway, this seminar, we, we printed on their letterhead. Uh, this is a, we get his signature, scan it in there. It's, it's a lift letter from him, pretty much a cover letter from him, telling his clients, who all are familiar with him because they, they buy chemicals and supplies from this individual, to read my sales letter, and the sales letter invites them to come to one of my full-day seminars called How to Double Your Business in Six Months or Less. Uh, if any of you want this seminar on video, I have it. I'll sell it to you for the same price we charge for the seminar if anyone's in the least bit interested in seeing how I do the seminar, it's, but it's for carpet cleaners, and it's like 97 bucks. But what it does is it gets people into a room, and then, we, then I do a full-day seminar, really great seminar, teach them a ton of information, and at the end of the day, I offer my marketing program. I take the cost of the seminar and deduct it if they want to become a member of Piranha Marketing. And I apply that uh, cost to the uh, package. And therefore, if they buy my kit that day, they get the seminar for free. And everyone uh, seems to, that buys, uh, seems to, it creates a frenzy effect. And people run to the, uh, the front of the room and sometimes attack you. Um, it's, not as, it's probably not as fun as being a rock star because the groupies are more like middle-aged carpet cleaners as opposed to... But um, for the most part, it's still, you know, because the money makes up for it's it. It's as close uh, as you're going to get, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I lost my calling, I guess, but anyway. Um, what else do I do? I made notes here. All right. Um, I also, you know, if you, wherever you live, I have a phone book ad in every uh, city in the United States, every major city. You'll see one of my phone book ads if you look under carpet cleaner. Uh, we've got, you know, almost 10% of the industry is a member. Uh, I'm going for about 20%. Um, what else do I do? Yeah, you know, I do various consulting. You know, consulting is another interesting business you can get into, but I, 
I normally only try to do consulting if it leads to a licensing deal and things like that. But I, I've done consulting for some big individuals. I cannot say I got $10,000 for one day and paid in consulting a couple weeks ago uh, from Bill Phillips at Muscle Media. He said I can claim that now. I said, oh, really? Now I can say I'm a $10,000 a day consultant, which is a rarity. But anyway, it happens. So I, I guess I can brag about it. Um, this is somewhat like the internationally recognized expert because somebody in the Toronto airport exactly. recognized him. Yeah. <laughs> That's the great thing about marketing, man. You could turn anything into something, you know, that sounds really amazing. You know, I've, I've done interesting things like I go out and I call bait-and-switch uh, carpet cleaners scumbags, and I try to irritate as many people that I dislike in the industry, and then therefore I, I create this image of, like, the, I'm a really obnoxious guy. And I, I was the Clean Facts Person of the Year, which is the largest uh, public, uh, trade magazine in the industry, and I'm on a devil outfit and an angel outfit here and that's because I have a file in my house called I have a horns file and a halo file and the horns is where I put all the hate mail that's sent to me and the halo is all the uh, people that like me and so the, the horns and halo thing was you know, I'm the most liked and most hated person in the industry now this creates a lot of controversy and who was it that was talking about controversy earlier who was that that you were about killing people and stuff but uh, yeah you know controversy in, in the right context works very well uh, aside from that, I mean, I'm pretty much limited on time here. Uh, my recommendations are, uh, you know, this is a great business if you learn it and understand it. The reason most people don't do direct response is because I believe it requires a tremendous amount of learning and studying, and you have to get it. You're going to have to read. Uh, I don't see a lot of people go into this business and make a ton of money unless they're exceptionally gifted uh, without attending seminars, reading books, and things like that. Last year, I spent over $90,000 on my own self-education. So uh, in the year before that, was a little over 50000 This year, it'll probably be close to 100000 in hiring uh, consultants. Dan gets a good chunk of that. But uh, Dan's worth every penny. He's very good. And by the way, this is a great seminar, by the way. that You've done a good job. Give him a big hand. Um, really, I don't even mean that, but it scores brownie points with Dan. Um, this is actually a good seminar. Very good seminar. There's a lot, lot of bright people here. Um, everyone, you know, that is, that is, you should really get to know a lot of these people. I, I have not been to a seminar that had this many intelligent people in it in a very long time. The people that have all been up here, many of the people in the audience, I mean, there's some people, the real players in this room. So get to know them all. One thing I also want to mention, look at what everyone's doing. Uh, watch what everyone's doing. I have a problem with the term knockoff. I, I do say it, but you've got to understand it in the right context. Knockoff does not mean plagiarize. Um, you know, if everyone that just tries to plagiarize and steal outright rarely is successful, also they irritate a lot of people and they get sued. Um, so if, you, if you're going to look at other people's stuff, you know, know the difference between swiping things word for word um, versus modeling things. I mean, it's real easy to model and get tons of ideas and get 90% of your marketing created for you without having to plagiarize. So just understand that. And if you stay ethical and you sell a good product and you guarantee what you're doing and you learn as much as you can about this business, there's no reason why you can't make a whole hell of a lot more than you make running, having a real job. And so with that, uh, I wish you all the best questions? of luck. I'll, Questions. Right okay. there. How much? I have about 21 recorded message lines for lead generation, various ones for testimonial lines. My average message is about three minutes long that, uh, where people can get a lead generation report. My free recorded message, which is like warning, don't call any carpet cleaner until you hear this free recorded message, which is used, one of my first ads that actually I used in my carpet cleaning business is a 10-minute recording, which teaches people, you know, the costly misconceptions about choosing a carpet cleaner. 
Uh, you if know you want to hear that, that's got that's a Yellow Pages ad, right? Yeah, if you look at so the Yellow Pages ad, go upstairs to the room, it. find the the AAA certified Yellow Pages ad, and call up and listen listen to the recorded message. You'll know how to choose a carpet cleaner at least. No, no this more, is not more. just data capture. This consumer awareness line is is what it implies. It's education. It's information. Write this down. Terry Hunterfield's the first one that taught me this. Um, free recorded messages allow you to sift sort and screen okay in this whole marketing process is, is a process of qualifying fishing out weeding out the people you don't want to do business with getting people to ask you to sell them as opposed to you going directly to them and selling them it's it's people giving you permission to sell sell them when they leave their name address phone number you gotta use free recorded messages it's the best way to expand an ad it's the best way to create a salesperson that works 24 hours a day seven days a week even when you're sleeping uh, you know, my sales force is, is paper and ink. I do not have salespeople, although my staff does an excellent job of talking to people, which most have been pre-qualified and pre-sold. If I had to rely on live salespeople to figure out how to sell this stuff, I, I would, like, probably want to shoot myself. So what we rely on as a salesperson is a sales letter. A, a sales letter, a good sales letter, writing copies, the best salesperson you're ever going to hire because, you know, they show up for work whenever you decide to, you know, put a stamp on them and send them out. Um, we are uh, out of time. Thank Joe. That's it. Um, we have um, uh, Carl and I will hang around for about 15 minutes for those of you that are doing gold upgrades or rollovers. And uh, we start tomorrow morning. Please be down here at 8 o'clock so we can start buyer before 8.30. Thank you. Good night. There's about eight guys out there with really bad hangovers, and you are not helping them. I just want you to know that. Um, good morning. Good morning. Don't get it. Don't do that. It sounds like we're, you know, a cheap wedding or something. I mean, either clink them all or don't clink, right? That's the... Um, a couple of things uh, before we dig back into the exhibits. Um, and by time necessity, I'm, I have to skip some things. And I may skip over some exhibits. But um, uh, a couple of things call your attention to that we talked about last night. Um, uh, sort of getting back to how to do this faster. Um, one of the things uh, to do if you want to become capable of doing this faster requires doing something slow, painful, and agonizing for a brief period of time. Um, uh, Ralph mentioned to you a, um, a self-training technique that um, um, I learned from Halbert. Um, and that is, uh, I, I didn't fully understand why it worked uh, for a while, but this process of taking uh, good direct response ads and good sales letters and simply re not changing them, rewriting them, rewriting the copy in your own hand, not on your laptops, uh, but with a pen 
or a pencil or a crayon. Um, uh, this technology thing, I told somebody there, I was at a seminar not too long ago and somebody came, I said something about it and somebody came up to me on a break, a woman came up to me on a break and wanted to know what carbon paper was. <laughs> Yeah, you 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 know you know you, you just age is a horrible thing. Um, so so for those of you that that don't know what like a pencil is, it's this wood thing with lead on the end of it, and um, you write these ads uh, out in longhand uh, repetitively, and. Um, it's been so long, I don't remember now, but I probably did 100 of them, 200 of them, 8, 10, 12 times a piece over a period of a year or two years. Um, what we know from um, uh, from Max Maltz's research in psychocybernetics is that that is synthetic experience. And synthetic experience is the next best thing to real experience. And so it's the only shortcut to real experience there is. And there's, uh, there's sig significant research to indicate that synthetic experience in many instances is as good and sometimes better. Um, the, the athletic example is, you've probably all heard the famous story, uh, it was done I think at Northwestern, where one group of basketball players practiced foul shots physically all week, the other ones just sat in the locker room all week and mentally practice making perfect foul shots and the end result is their efficiency on the court is virtually identical. Um, uh, I, a ball player, um, in fact he's back playing ball, uh, Steve DeBerg, um, who some of you, if you're NFL fans, you know who Steve is. Uh, Steve uh, came in, he was, uh, he's quarterback coach right now at the Atlanta Falcons and uh, um, they have uh, Chris Chandler's their quarterback in Atlanta, and Chris has the world's record for the for the largest number of consecutive concussions. And so, um, so Chris this week is wandering around in Atlanta, trying to figure out where he's at. And uh, so Deberg, at age 44, is starting this week, um, and uh, he played his first quarter of NFL football last week after I think four or five years that he hasn't played ball, and uh, played pretty well. Uh, DeBerg was never a great quarterback, but great student of the game, very bright guy. And uh, DeBerg said to me that synthetic experience is really important for players uh, who have never played in a big game because the one thing you can't get in physical practice is what it's like to be, say, in the Denver Stadium with 50,000 fans screaming, waving orange banners, trying to distract you. Uh, ice, snow, uh, the feel of playing the game that will decide who goes to the Super Bowl. If you haven't been there, you, you, can't, you can't replicate that in physical practice. You can only replicate that in synthetic practice. Uh, and so in some cases, this is, even, this, this is more useful than the actual thing. Uh, so what I think this copywriting exercise does is it, it, it comes close to replicating um, the, the imprint in the subconscious that you would get from actually being a copywriter for some period of time and creating these kinds of pieces. Because some of this is, there's the mechanical stuff, 
which I'm doing my best to show you, but then things like the rhythm of the piece. Um, Michael James and I were talking last night in the hallway when I went to get ice about just the variance of type sizes. Uh, one paragraph in my stuff, what he said was, my stuff is uglier than maybe any other professional copywriter in the country. And, um, and I think that's probably true. Um, and I think it's for several reasons. One is that most professional copywriters, freelancers, are very lazy about this cosmetic stuff. In fact, many of them hand it off. They literally deliver copy. That's it. And you're on your own for that stuff. Others, I think, don't understand it as well as they understand the process of writing the copy itself. Um, uh, some of that comes, I think, from being an effective uh, platform salesperson, which hardly any copywriter is. Um, but the rhythm of a speech from the front of the, not this, but like a speech at a Peter Lowe event, the rhythm of a speech that is designed to sell, that is really a sales presentation, it is very much the rhythm um, that dictates what I make bigger, what I make smaller, where I change. It's like I'm delivering it as a speech. And and so there's, there's these non-mechanical issues that, that come from experience and become instinct. You've been listening to one of our gold members-only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a Diamond member and get access to the Diamond members-only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all of Dan's courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to Diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.